0: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Buying a home and selling a home shouldn't be stressful. Renters, homeowners, and investors in southern Arizona work with the Win 3 Team. Powered by eXp Realty. Because they match buyers with sellers. Like the eHarmony of real estate. Buying or selling, this is where you'll find what you're looking for. This is Home Solutions on KNST. It's the Win 3 Team. Powered by eXp Realty. Now, Bob Zachmeyer. There's no
1: Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. I'm joined by Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, Jerry? Hey, good morning, Bob. I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. So, Jerry, we have some interesting news that came out on August 24th. Zillow went national and said Zillow Home mortgages, or the Zillow Group is offering mortgages with a one percent down payment, and all the internet and everything's going crazy about people. We're headed back to to 2008 all over again, and this is what got us in trouble: was buyers buying without any down payment. Um, but without the, skin in the game, without skin in the game, and you know when you think about it, let's just say that someone's buying a three hundred thousand dollar home. So with 1% of their own money down, they could get in with $3,000. Well, if they would have done this program over the last couple of years, when the market erupted and and gained 25% market share, I mean, those loans would have been ultra secure by now because the equity that the buyer would have in the program is significant. But now we see the market faltering. And I mean, when rates jumped up and hit seven and a half last week, I mean, the market really, really slowed down. And it, it took notice, yes, so so it just seems like really poor timing on Zillow's part uh, because if that home loses three thousand dollars of its value, and just keep in mind that last year our median home price in Tucson peaked in April at three hundred and eighty five thousand. and had mm-hmm. someone gotten in at that price at a one percent down payment, they would have put in thirty eight hundred fifty dollars. The the median price went from 385 down to 350, so it dropped by 35,000. These people would have been, you know, upside down by more than 28,000 dollars. And it's really just there's no room for error at all there. And I I just think that sounds very risky. And th- th- what's interesting is they are de- debuting this program in one state, and guess what? It's Arizona. So what are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, number one, I, the, the down payment assistance program, I don't think is all that special. Um, we've been offering this exact same program for about a year now. So we just are not all over the news selling it. And furthermore, I think there are many other down payment assistance programs that are much more advantageous for a borrower. Um, Lighthouse, for one, um, that has you know it's, its drawbacks as well, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But, you know, or wish or home or even Pima County home buyer solutions. So there is, uh, there, I think there are other programs that, um, will give more money for a down payment or more and more beneficial for a borrower than, you know, this program where, uh, you know, the, the lender's putting in 2% and the buyer's putting in 1%.
1: Um, And that's what's deceiving about the headline. It sounds like the buyer's getting in for 1%, but really it's 3% and the lender's paying 2% of it. Correct. And the only way the lender can do that is if they charge a higher rate.
2: Higher rate, you know, in that, oh, you can't refinance it for a number of years because they've got to make their money back.
1: And and so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, if someone puts in a lower down payment, that means they have, assuming the same purchase price of the home, that means their loan amount is higher. And now they're being, that's going to make their payment higher just by itself. And then when you add on top of it, there's a slightly higher interest rate. So that's going to make their payment higher. So all this helping people afford a home is actually making their payment higher.
2: Yeah. And and, and mortgage insurance is higher. That is correct. Um, I mean, there's a small segment of the population that it will help, but it is, uh, uh, I mean, it, it's more, it's more a way to get headlines. Other lenders have been doing this for a long time. Um, and it just, the, it, it's just a way to get, you know, news out there. Um, uh, again, I, I just, I look at it as there, there are many other substitutes for this program that are more beneficial. And if someone really wants to, we've had it for a year. And my company, and I haven't even done one yet, because uh, there is other down payment assistance programs that are more advantageous. That's all.
1: Sure. So you can get an FHA loan with three and a half down. Obviously, a VA loan is 0% down. And a conventional loan can be obtained with a higher rate at as low as 3% down. So Correct. on a, a... First time home buyer, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, here's, I, I'm all for giving people a chance and getting them started. And obviously when people retire, the biggest investment they have is their home. So it's crucial that people buy homes. And you are a lender and I'm a real estate broker. So we both benefit from selling houses, but is it a benefit to let someone get in that doesn't have enough money? Um, I mean, at some point that home's going to need a roof. It's going to need an air conditioner. It's going to need a paint job. These down payments aren't as much as any of those items, let alone all three of them together.
2: Yeah, so that's that's the uh, um, it, again, it's just a way to get your name out there, and and you know, and and so people recognize, oh, it's it's a new down payment assistance program. What's this all about? I think when people look under the hood and they look at other options that are out there, they'll find the other options to be more
1: attractive. Gotcha, and you know, everybody's got their eye tuned to foreclosures. And, uh, you know, all these headlines are coming out about the foreclosure rate in the United States. And there was one article that came out on August 24th from Adam Data. Zombie foreclosures begin ticking up in Q3. So what is a zombie foreclosure? Yeah, uh, that I mean, there's believe it or not, there are still homes that were foreclosed on back in the recession in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, that have not yet been resold. They're just sitting there vacant and a lot of those the loans had been sold so many times they lost the paperwork and nobody really knows who owns it wow <laughs> and and these homes are just sitting there and they don't know what to do with them so this report came out that in the entire united states there are 1,277,612 vacant properties in the entire country that represents 1.3% of the, the uh, uh, homes in the United States, or one in 79 houses. So one out of every 79 houses across the United States is vacant. And they say that 315,000 of them are considered zombie processes that are in some stage of the foreclosure process. And that is, um, it was 1.3% in the second quarter. So this, this number is slightly higher than that. But it's up 16% year over year, but still the number is 1.3%. So it's a very, very low, very, very low number. And so a zombie foreclosure, once they figure out who has it, those will be coming back on the market. But just think about here's a house that hasn't had utilities turned on for eight years. Um, You know, what if, or even more than that, what if it was one of the early ones in 2008 and here we are in 2023, that's 15 years. What do you think? You know, did rats get in there and do the electrical wiring? Or, you know, did the pipes freeze? You know, there are just all kinds of issues. And if you look at where they are, um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa is the highest in, in the country. 12.5% of the properties there are in foreclosure. Uh, 12.5% of the properties that are in foreclosure are vacant. So Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Peoria, Illinois, Indianapolis, Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Youngstown, Ohio. Every one of those places freezes. What do you think it looks like after eight or 15 winters with oh, no? Yeah, no, I mean, the,
2: the houses are going to be in um, terrible condition. But, you know, again, I look at that as that is, uh, we, you know, we talk about flippers, and this is, uh, the, they would be the ones who go in and, and fix up these properties so that they are marketable again. And, uh, Um, they will be the ones who save the day, uh, with these properties. If they can ever, if title can ever be, you know, uh, reaffirmed, so it can be sold to some, you know, someone to buy it.
1: Sure. But that would be one heck of a project to take on. You would have to basically replace all of the plumbing, a a good chance. You'd have to do all the electric. Um, who knows if the foundation settled, if there were water freezes and now there's mold in the house because of, you know, nobody cleaned it up. I mean, it's just, uh. A mess. And I've seen some of those homes. I've been in some. <laughs> and uh, some of the foreclosures, the worst one probably that we ever sold was the people had taken out every interior wall in the entire home, stacked it in the living room, set it on fire, and burned a 20-foot hole in the roof of the oh home. And then we had a manufactured home that someone had left. And on the the last thing they did before they drove away from the property was they stuck a garden hose in the window and turned the water on. And and uh, on a manufactured home, the floors are all particle board. And it just expanded that particle board to, uh, you know, the the thing was totally ruined. So, uh, you know, I, I just don't know that a lot of those places. And what's interesting is in a lot of the places where they are have been losing people, the migration of people away from there because the jobs are going out of the rust belt. And almost all those locations are in the rust belt. Hmm. So, and and in Indianapolis, they, and Detroit, they they bladed whole subdivisions. I mean, like made them into parks and just like totally took out the homes just because so many people left during the great recession that aren't even living there anymore. And if you want to, you know, just have some fun, you can go out to FRED, which is the Federal Reserve Economic Data. So if you just type in um, FRED and then like St. Louis, this is published by the Federal Reserve of St. Louis and you can put in the population of any major city there's you know 860,000 excel sheets out there and so if you ever want to pull data on any place and and you can just type in Tucson and there'll be hundreds and hundreds of documents that come up about Tucson but go to Philadelphia and look at the population of Philadelphia uh, it, they are down 700,000 people from where they were in the year 2000. Wow. I mean, it, it, it was, was 1.9 million people, and I think there's 1.2 there now. But, but think about that. You lost 40% of the population. What does that do to supply and demand for real estate? If, if everybody left, I mean, not everybody, but 40% of the population at least Well, it
2: destroys the values, right? And it's just what it does.
1: Right. And real estate is always a, a function of supply and demand. And what's happening with these higher interest rates is demand just fell off a cliff. Because I can see it. I have uh, mentioned last week on the phone, I had a friend in Milwaukee, Wisconsin post that 7.5 equal crickets. So the, the market is definitely hesitating and slowing down which it does this time every year because school started. And every time school starts, there's a significant downturn in real estate activity. And we haven't seen it yet as far as the increase in the number of homes for sale. We're going to talk about that when we come back after the break. This is Tucson Home Solutions on KNST. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of EXP Realty. I'll be right back with Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage. <laughs>
0: He makes buying and selling homes easy. He'll do the work so you won't have to stress. This is Home Solutions with the Win3 team, powered by eXp Realty. Here's the Win3 team leader, Bob Zachmeyer.
1: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. I'm joined by Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage. Jerry is your go-to guy. If you want to navigate these high interest rates and different loan programs, down payment assistance programs, Jerry is the most knowledgeable lender I've ever worked with. He and I have been together on the show now and we'll start our 13th year in January. So that has just gone by amazingly fast. Wow. Um, and then Jerry, what's what's going on out there with interest rates and if someone wanted to reach you, how would they how would they get a hold of you?
2: Sure. Well, so mortgage rates, they did pick up last week. And then sure enough, on Wednesday of this week, they they fell and we we gained back a big chunk of what we we lost. So rates dropped about seven and a quarter percent. And so, you know, I think that was welcome news because it was it did seem to jump to that when it hits seven and a half. I think people got spooked. Um, because rates have been sitting, you know, in that seven point three seven five between seven and seven point three seven five here for the last thirty or so days. But that real when it ticked up to seven and a half, I think it I do think it made people take pause. but um rates did come back down. And then, you know, the big and big news this week was that the Federal Reserve met at Jackson Hole on Friday, and um it, it, they they did not say anything that was not expected. It was they're staying the course. You know they are going to be vigilant against inflation. Could additional interest rates be uh, hikes be needed? Yes, but they're data dependent, and so it was the same message that we've been hearing for months and months and months. So what seems to be, and I you know I talk to people that are uh, that are in this business when I say in the business of trading bonds and economists, and what what do they you know what's the consensus out there? And it seems like. Everyone's just kind of waiting for a shoe to drop. Um, Hmm. And, you know, I think people have been waiting for a shoe to drop for the last, you know, four months, and it hasn't happened yet. But I think the cards are starting to stack in that direction where we are going to see a shoe drop here pretty soon. Um, One thing that you're going to see, so the next big data point that comes out is the jobs report that comes out this upcoming Friday, September 1st. Right. And right before Labor Day, and um, you'll hear chatter that the they are revising the Bureau of Labor Statistics, who, who puts out the, the the BLS, who puts out this this data point the first uh, Friday of every month, have already said that they need to revise. Um, there was basically five hundred thousand jobs that were created that were uh, calculated incorrectly. Right. So there's going to be big revisions, and this goes back to the end of twenty two, beginning of twenty twenty three there's going to be big revisions to past reports, which, um, and that's already getting out there in the news. You're already starting to see it um, on the financial, uh, you know, periodicals like the Wall Street Journal and and Bloomberg, etc. So will this jobs report that's going to come out, is it going to be, you know, it's, a, is it going to be a, uh, uh, is is it going to be worse than expected? That's what's I think, you know, people are looking towards, but, you know, also it, it's the message is this until inflation starts really getting closer to the the Fed's goal of 2%, we are going to be living in this environment. And how long will that take? Right. You know, who knows? There is, uh, um, you know, there are uh, lots of unions that are starting to strike for higher wage, which means could there be wage inflation out there? Um, you know, people there the, the predictions are that rates could start falling as early as December of 2023. But I'd say the consensus is that they they'll fall, you know, uh third quarter, second or third quarter of 2024. And that is the uh that's kind of the where what's what's happening. So I think we're gonna be living in this in, in these rates being between Seven and seven and a half for, you know, the, the at least the next three months and possibly the next six to nine months. But they are expected to come down.
1: Well, that's uh, quite a different story than everybody was predicting earlier in the year, back in March and April, wasn't it?
2: It, it, it was. I mean, it, people were, we had miscalculated the strength of the economy and really the consumer. I mean, the consumer has been you know, so strong, unemployment's at 3.5%. So the economy is just, you know, roaring along. But when is the consumer tapped out is the question. And I know this is a, a real estate show, but this will have a very big impact on where mortgage rates goes and the number of transactions will go into 2024 and into 2025. And the, uh, um, you know, there's, there's also been a lot of studies uh, or I shouldn't say a lot, but a handful of studies about when will people be be willing to give up their three percent interest rate? And the the basically the thought is is that if rates get down to five percent, between fi- the low fives, people that will be close enough where where people who have a mortgage in the threes um, or even in the twos will be willing to give that up. And take that higher rate, a because the payment will not be that different, and b if they have a house and they're selling, they have so much equity in the house. It's like I've got to tap into that equity, and I'm willing to forego and get rid of that 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 three percent rate. So our rates going to get down to five percent. Good news is they are predicted to get down to five percent in 2024 or 2025. So huh. will that happen? Again, it's prediction, but that's that's the forecast that. I'm hearing um from you know many different economists uh, uh you know uh, all over the nation and and uh the I guess the one that there is some prediction that rates could tick up to eight percent um in the next ninety days if it, you know the inflation rears its head again and the Fed decides to raise rates in September, right and possibly in November. Could rates hit eight uh, percent on a thirty year fixed mortgage they could. I don't wow. think that's likely, however.
1: Wow. That would be a shock to the system because every time it hits like breaks over the seven mark, it just seems like the market comes to a standstill. And even though last year it went from in the low threes all the way to seven from April up until October and everybody just froze. And I mean, the market just depleted and our sales were, were in December were at 1996 levels and we hadn't seen that. I mean, 27 year low. And, and we have a lot more people than we did before. But the the interesting thing is there was a definite uh, drop in, in the last two weeks. And it, you can see yes. it all over. Where you can't see it yet is the number of homes on the market. Because normally this time of year, we start gaining inventory. So it, keep in mind when you write an offer on... A home it takes typically a month to six weeks to close. So when we start looking at at the reduced number of sales, that won't the things that started happening two weeks ago when the rates hit seven and a half won't show up until you know four to six weeks from now. So sure. we're we're tracking it, and thus far in the number of homes in the MLS in Tucson, we only gained thirteen properties in the last seven days so that's basically two more houses a day um, than there were before and when you segment them by by price point we actually gained we had five homes under 200,000 last week we have eight this week so we actually gained three houses um, which is you know quite quite a significant percentage and then the um, under 250 we went from 22 to 25 houses under 300 we actually fell. And we went from 159 houses under 300,000 back down to 141 homes, which is about where we were a month ago. And so we had been kind of growing the the number of homes under 300. Actually, bottomed on June 23rd at 132, and now we have 141. So you know, nine homes is not a significant change Uh, percentage-wise. It's it's about eight percent difference, and a little bit more than before. But what's interesting is the homes that are under 400,000 are exactly the same as they were last week, 678. And the number of homes under a million are 1604. That is up um, a total of 12 homes from last week. And then the million plus homes are staying the same at 168. But, you know, we still sold in the last seven days, 12 homes over a million dollars. Yeah, um, out of, out of, right. Yeah. In one week. So so you figure, well, there's four weeks in a month. So that's 48 houses out of one hundred and sixty eight. That's like a three month supply of homes, which is not a deplorable market. That's actually a pretty fast market.
2: Well, and it's and funny, uh, Bob, there is. So there, not. And again, I don't want to get into, you know, doomsday theory, but. Um, if rates increased to 8%, you know, the fourth quarter of this year, what would that do to housing nationwide? And uh, um, if it did, you know, like when we look at last year when rates ticked up in November, October, November, and the, it slowed down the market, that's when we saw values drop about 10% in Arizona. Right. You know, and uh, so if rates did tick up to 8 would that mean there would be, you know, there th- that values would be dropping because there won't be any buyers and motivated sellers would need to sell their home and they'd be dropping their price accordingly. So could there be a price adjustment if rates hit 8%? And I think there would be. Sure. And uh, um, again, this is not saying it's going to happen. It's just, you know, it's out there in the uh as a possibility and and if it did i think we would have a a a correction but when rates come down i think that correction would be uh you know obviously um it, it would be taken care of because there'd be enough buyers jumping into the market that you would see prices start to increase and any correction would then be be uh be you know i guess settled or satisfied exactly go right back up
1: Right. So it's, it's temporary. If you, can, if you can wait it out, especially those with low interest loans, it pays to wait it out because you, you maintain the same payment. But what's so interesting, Jerry, is with the rates going higher and higher, there are a lot of homeowners who live in Tucson right now today that could not repurchase the same home they live in at today's no. rates. Yes. And that's what's going to keep them homebound for a very long time. They can't afford to go anywhere else. So and the good news is the inventory is not drastically increasing like it did Back in uh, 2008, we were down as low as 3,200, and within six months, we shot to over 10,500 homes. That is nowhere near happening. We have a shortage due to people staying with their low interest loans and not listing their homes for sale. That's why the inventory is low. That's what actually keeps prices going higher. And we did set a new high in the month of July of 292 or 392 thousand dollars. That is higher than the 385 that we hit last April. But, Jerry, we are coming up on a break. This is Tucson Home Solutions on KNST. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. I'll be back with Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage right after the news. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right after the break.
0: He doesn't want to list your home, he wants to sell it. This is Home Solutions with the Win3 team, powered by eXp Realty. Here's the Win3 team leader, Bob Zachmeyer.
1: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. You can reach me 520 314 sold. I'm with Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage. And Jerry, your phone number? Sure, 520 370 9576. And you know, Jerry, right before the break, we were talking about some foreclosure data that came out from Black Knight this week. And they were talking about, you know, how. of all the properties in the United States are in some stage of not making their payments. That might sound like a lot, but it really isn't because a number doesn't mean anything until you compare it to last year, to last month. Is it up? Is it down? What's actually happening? The number of loans that are in some state of delay or delinquency is 3.2%. Month over month, it's actually 2.89% better than it was last month and 3.56% better than it was last year. So even though the economy and the interest rates are so much worse, the foreclosure rate is actually less than it was a year ago. And a year ago, right now, this week, interest rates were at 5.5%. We hit 75 and the foreclosure rate actually dropped. So that tells you a lot. And then when you look at how many foreclosures were started in the whole United States in the month of July, 26,300 foreclosures were started. 335 million people living here and 26,000 foreclosures were started. And you wonder how many of those are people that died and there's nobody living in their house anymore making the payment. Year over year, that is 15% more than it was, but it's 5.96% less than it was last month. The number of foreclosure sales, how many were there in the entire month of July? 6,100 total homes were sold in foreclosure, that is 10.75% less than it was last month, 18.36% less than last year. So that is just a very, very tiny number in the whole United States, 6,100. If you multiply that times 12, that's a rate of about 72, 73,000 homes being foreclosed on. And again, a lot of that has to do with actual people passing away, not people losing their homes. Month over month change is 3,000 fewer than last year. Year over year change is 161,000 fewer than there were last year. And for the entire year so far, 468,000 properties are 90 days or more past due. What's interesting is the number of 30 day past due went higher, the number of 60 day past due went higher, but the number of 90 days past due went lower. Yeah, And then we look at, okay, where are they? Where are these problem spots? Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. Those are the top five states with the worst foreclosures in the country. Of those five, Indiana is the fifth worst at 4.94% of all mortgages. The best states, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Washington, and Colorado. So let's talk about Idaho. We've talked about that many times on this program. That Idaho in Boise, Idaho, two years in a row had a 50% rate of appreciation. So, if you had a $200,000 home in 2021, it would be worth $300,000 in 2022 and $450,000 in 2023. How do you go from 200 to 450 in two years?
2: Yeah, so I mean that's not sustainable.
1: Right now, the median home price in Boise, Idaho, is down by 15% year over year. So why is it one of the best places for foreclosures? Well, because it went up $250,000. There's so much equity in there that nobody's in foreclosure yet. They still have a tremendous amount of equity. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. And then in 2009, 10, 11, and 12, my wife Camille and I were the number one selling real estate team in Arizona for four years in a row. And we sold 2,200 homes the banks during the worst real estate market that anybody that's still alive can even remember. You know, everybody thinks, oh, we're headed toward 2008. And I'm going to share with you why that is not the case whatsoever. And I'm going to give you the kind of the backdoor view of foreclosures. So nationally, the average time to foreclose on a home in the United States is 572 days. That is 19 months. Banks learned a tremendous lesson from the Great Recession. The cost to the bank to foreclose on that home while they're working through the process to pay for all the taxes, the insurance, the utilities, and vandalism is 2% a month. So if it takes 19 months to foreclose on average, and there's a lot of judicial states that require judges, mostly on the East Coast, but that is 38% of the property's value just lost in carrying costs for that bank to own that home. You got to pay the real estate agents that sell the house, the title companies that provide the title insurance, the foreclosure attorneys, and the banks have come to the realization that, you know what, it's way better for us just to sell the non-performing loans to Wall Street. We can find hedge funds on Wall Street and sell these loans at 65 cents on the dollar and come Mm -hmm. out way better than if we foreclose on the property and take it to Main Street. You ask yourself, why would they sell a house? at 65 cents on the dollar if they could get 100 cents on the dollar by selling it with a real estate agent? Well, the biggest thing that most people don't consider is the cost of their staff that it takes to run all these foreclosures. At one time, because Bank of America took over Countrywide, which is the largest lender in the country, and Countrywide went defunct and a lot of the loans went with it. At one time, Bank of America had 25,000 loss mitigators working for them. What do you think it costs for that payroll and all the buildings and overhead to keep people in buildings and and office chairs and desks and computers to do all that? So when you add it all up, the carrying cost, 19 months at 2% a month is 38%. The cost of the real estate agents, 5 to 6%. The title company, 1%. Foreclosure attorneys, 3%. Internal staff at the bank, 20%. So the bank would spend 67% of the home's value to foreclose on it, to get 100% of the value. That's the sale price was 100% of the value, but they spent 67% of that in expenses. And the bank was only netting 33% of the actual money that they sold the house for. And so that's why this won't happen again. They learned their lesson and they're bending over backwards. Most lenders still to this day on their website say, if you're in trouble, Call us. We'll put you in forbearance. We'll work with you. I mean, they would not do that whatsoever before. They'd never seen a downturn, and now they they realized it. They they lived through it, and they said, "You know what? This isn't the best thing for us. It, it's better to work with the people than to just be rigid and and go let's foreclose and be sure. uh, I'll show I'll show you kind of an attitude.
2: So and then have it. It's a disaster. That you know that's everything in life, right? You just got to be open to to working with people, and it solves problems.
1: Yep. And so that is why. You know, the foreclosure rate right now is 3%. I don't see it. Even if foreclosures tick up, what's going to happen is the banks are going to bundle up the loans that are, de- that are efficient and they're going to sell them and they'll never have foreclosures. And because they'll just sell off the loan and let, let it be somebody else's problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is why we keep saying this is not 2008. Don't worry. This is not going to be some big market meltdown and everything. And especially right now because of all the people that are actually tied into their homes they cannot sell if they wanted to repurchase another home they cannot sell the house they have because they cannot qualify for the same house they live in that is just staggering to me that people can't qualify for the home they already have right right yes it's getting slow um yes um, this last week was the lowest number of new loan applications in 30 years, that's mm-hmm. that's a big number. 30 years, it, it is a big number, and um,
2: I noticed it too. But I also think the number of people going into transactions actually is, is up. So a- again, I think fourth quarter, if rates continue to move higher, I think the fourth quarter will be slower. But um, again, there is a lot of demand out there for housing, so I don't want to count it out. I don't want to. Because it, it could, we could be surprised and all it takes is rates to tick down to below seven. And I think you'd have a boom. I really do. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we just have to look at the health of the economy. Um, the Federal Reserve has made their, their, you know, clearly they want unemployment to go up. Clearly they want the economy to, to slow and to achieve the uh, objective of getting inflation down to their 2% target. And this is where it gets painful. But the, the issue is, is that if they slow it too much, the, the exponential damage ramps up quickly and then they have to cut rates quickly to, so it's a fine balance. It varies, right. inter- it's very interesting to watch. And I think we see it in everything around us that I think people will be tightening their belts um, the, the extra savings that, that, you know, it seemed like most of uh, the U.S. had has been spent and that, you know, now it's all coming on to, to borrowed funds, i.e. credit cards, and that will very quickly come to roost and things will slow down on their own. And if they do, I think the Fed's going to be quick to react and bring interest rates down. Um, and uh, um, if those things happen. Um, so that would bring mortgage rates down, which I think would help housing dramatically.
1: Right. And Jerry, when is the next Fed meeting to know whether or not they're going to raise rates? I don't I don't know what dates
2: in September, but it's in the second half of September. Okay.
1: And so I mean everybody follows that and everybody's shaking their head. Why do they keep doing this? Why do they keep doing this? And then like it'll be really interesting next week when the jobs report comes out, how much they downgrade the jobs. Because I think it almost feels like they're using some hokey math or something. Cause every month they revise that by 70 or 120,000 jobs. How can it be off by that much?
2: Yeah. So no, next week's number will be very, will, will be very valuable. And again, there's another big read on, um, on inflation between, you know, also net between now and when the fed meets. So we will see if things are slowly starting to come down. I, I, uh, I am confident that that it is, and that we may see lower rates in the coming months, which I do think will buoy housing. Right. Um, so the doomsday that we hear out there, and you know, we, we kind of talked earlier about well, what if rates go to eight percent? What happens? And oh, values drop, and the correction that would happen. It may not play out that way. Rates may come down if the Fed says, "Oop, we're uh, uh, um, we're just going to hold the line," and inflation starting to really um, come down on its own. And, and unemployment ticks up a bit, we may see that, that I, I don't know if you wanna call it a soft landing, but it may be that rates come down and that the, the fourth quarter will actually be relatively busy for housing. Fortunately, we're just gonna have to wait and see what the next few weeks bring.
1: All right, well, Jerry, we're coming up on a break. So this is Tucson Home Solutions on KNST. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of EXP Realty. I'll be back with Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage.
0: This is Home Solutions with the Win3 team, powered by eXp Realty on KNST. Here's the Win3 team leader, Bob Zagmeyer.
1: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. I'm joined by Jerry Sunt of Cross Country Mortgage. And we are talking about the interest rate. They went to seven and a half, but now Jerry said they came back down this week, back to about seven and a quarter. You know what? I I do
2: want to mention something because with this volatility in the market, you know, what is the right strategy for interest rates? Oh, should we float versus locking in these rates? I have to say, if you're buying a house right now, you really need to lock your rate up front. This volatility is not something that anyone can know where things are going. I mean, the the biggest minds in finance, the people that run Wall Street don't know where rates are going on a day-for-day basis. Sure. So a loan officer also not going to know where rates are going. If they did, they'd be working on Wall Street too. And so I do think it's important for people to, to lock in these rates because eventually, although no guarantee, Rates are expected to come down, and you'll be able to refinance. Or, if rates come down dramatically between now and you know you, that time you go into escrow and the time you you close, if rates come down dramatically, you can also renegotiate that rate lower. What's called kind of a, it's known as a float down. But to to float this market, I think is a bit dangerous to lock in and take what you. Get. You just don't know where it's going, Dave.
1: then you expect you're going to refinance. So when you factor in the difference in the payment and multiply it times nine payments or 12 payments or whatever it takes until you refinance, it's minimal. I mean, it's not very much at all. But when you look at the difference, like last week, the average mortgage in the week was 7.4. Let's just say that a buyer has a budget of $3,000. They can have a payment of $3,000. What will that get them at a 7.4% interest rate? Right now, that would buy them a $429,000 home. One year ago, that same $3,000 budget would have paid for a $500,000 home. Keep in mind that that's from 7.4 to 5.5. We were in the low threes you know, in the start of last year. So that variation can really change your buying power. $71,000 less purchasing power in one year with the same amount of money. And that doesn't factor in, in appreciation on the homes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the difference in buying power is $500,000 a year ago to $429,000 this year. That is a difference of $71,000. Mm. And you know, lock in because if it goes up, and it, you might not get the house that you want. You may go through all the inspections and end up not qualifying for the property if, if you were at the peak of your budget and the rate increased on you. I'm sure you've seen some of that this year, haven't you, Jerry?
2: I have. And it's funny because people will, you know, I've had borrowers that will say, oh, I'm just going to float because rates should improve. And I'm like, where are you hearing that? Because I would love to read that article. (laughs) And and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. I honestly, I just, with this volatility, no one expected rates to go to 7.5% last week. It was it rates literally got went higher by three eighths to a half a percent within a very short period of time. That will make a difference on what someone qualifies for, and it's just not worth the risk of of hey what if rates go higher because there is a probability that they will. Right. Um, and uh, you know just again if rates drop, lock in the rate now. If rates drop dramatically, you renegotiate the rate with your lender, and uh, um, or you refinance when rates fall next year. That should sure. be the right strategy.
1: So let's just say we end this year in Tucson, Jerry, at about a five percent appreciation rate. Maybe a little bit less than that. Maybe three and a half, four percent. But if you took our median price a year ago of three eighty five, and then you add in you know five percent. That's about nineteen thousand dollars that the value of that home would have went up, and the mortgage payment, the difference between five point five and and seven point four would raise that payment by four hundred dollars more a month, and that's hmm. on the same amount of money. You still got to factor in the extra nineteen thousand dollars, which is about seven dollars a thousand, um, that you added to the mortgage payment. So you added. 133000 or $133 a month on top of the $400 that the difference in rate gave you. So that little one year for the same exact house is $533 um, a month more. That That's a big deal. Yeah. And,
2: and Bob, you know, as, as you and I have been talking about for weeks, um, the other big signal that's going to start next week is remember student loans are coming back due September 1st. First payment's not due until October 1st. But what is that going to do for rents um, as well as other, you know, and consumer spending? When you look at the trillions of dollars of student loan debts that now have to be paid each month that haven't been factored in for over, I think it's getting close to three years.
1: And and Jerry, did they freeze the balance or has that been accruing at 6%? I
2: don't know that answer. Um, I don't know how that is calculated. I do know the current administration is trying to, uh, uh, you know, create a new income-based repayment plan, which will, which will be lower than what the current factors are for income-based repayment plan. Um, but that won't take effect until next year. So, but there is, you know, when you look at that student loan debt, that is going to affect rents. It's going to affect, um, what, uh, People that have student loans, what they can spend uh out for for going out to dinner and shopping you know, uh uh not necessities, but uh, you know, what am I thinking of? Um, discretionary goods. Thank right. you. Yep. And so and all that's coming to roost in the next thirty days.
1: Wow. Well, well, if we'll see if the rates hit eight. I hope they don't, but I, I, hope I really they don't either. I think I think the slowing right now is actually a good thing. A lot of people are panicking that have their homes for sale and they're just not getting any showings. And, you know, the bottom line is if you're not getting showings, how are you going to sell your home if you can't get anybody to come through the door? So the bottom line is price. Either you, you choose to wait for a different market, take it off and wait for a better time to sell. And, and when rates come back down or wait till next spring, like I told everybody from um, October, November, December, January, February, I purposely told people, this is not a good time to sell. I would recommend that you wait till March. Almost everybody did. And we sold all those homes immediately. I can't predict the market, but we always see a surge of, of activity in late March, early April, all the way through May. And it starts to wane in June because school, that's out and people go on vacation. And then, of course, nobody could have predicted the heat wave we're in. That is restricting the number of showings on people's homes. It's 106 degrees outside. <laughs> I mean, that's not a, a pleasant experience driving around in that heat. And so there's a, just a whole bunch of unknowns. And maybe it is a, a better time to just wait until next year, especially if you haven't moved and you don't have a job pending in another town and you don't have to move. It might be better to just wait and, and Bob, I think another great strategy
2: uh, and I asked this is that you know we've been talking about you know last year we we were I think it was a big push when when the the number of transactions slowed was sellers started offering the you know that two to one buy down where they will pay to buy the buyer's rate of that house you know down by two percentage points for the first year and one percentage point for the second year, right. So really made that home affordable until that borrower can refinance when rates do actually fall. And why not, if you're a seller and you're not getting activity, why not advertise? We'll pay to buy the, you know, the buyer's rate down or pay for a two to one buy down. Uh, You know, just be proactive. Don't wait for the offer to come in and wait for the buyer to offer that. Just put it out there that you're willing to do that. Because that, I think, would be enticing for a buyer that they knowing that the seller's willing to negotiate and do that for them.
1: And Jerry, you know, we used to, in the last couple of years, discourage sellers from accepting offers with contingencies. But now it's like, hey, that's an offer. You should take it because there aren't offers flying around the way they were. And just think about this. What if that guy's contingency falls out and now they can't buy your home without selling their home. If you're sitting on an empty home and you had to move, your job relocated you, would you rather be paying the mortgage on a $600,000 home or on a $300,000 home? So what if you bought that guy's home? And it's not a home you wanted to buy, but it's way easier to sell that three hundred than it is a six hundred, And it gets you out of all the debt that you have on that $600,000 home. So that just you know, out-of-the-box solutions like that that you just need to think about. And really, it's getting, it's shifting. The market is definitely shifting in favor of the buyers in this in this time frame. And it hasn't been that way for a very long time, but buyers are gaining all kinds of negotiating power right now. That's it. So, so that's, a couple
2: you know, those are little strategies, though, that really make a difference. Be proactive. Say you're willing to buy the rate down, if you know, and, and just... Put it out there so that helps attract buyers know that they can make that house affordable um, until you know mortgage rates do come down.
1: Yep. And right now, um, it, it's a really good time to be a buyer because the interest rates hit the highest rate in 20 years. That shut a lot of people <laughs> down. No, I, I'm going follow through with this. The purchase applications last week were the lowest they have been in 30 years. That means your competitors are not going in for mortgages. They just all said, you know what, between the heat, and the uh, interest rate, I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna play anymore. I'm gonna take my marbles and go home. So there are fewer buyers out there. And as we go further into fall, there's gonna be more inventory every month. So you have more inventory, fewer people competing for it. This is gonna actually be the next six months is probably the best time to buy a house that you've seen in three or four years.
2: There you go. There you go. You just have to have the, the grit to, to, to do it, the confidence yep.
1: to do it. Yep. So Jerry, we are coming to the end of the show. So thank you so much for being on. And again, if someone wanted to reach you, how would they get a hold of Jerry Sunt at Cross Country Mortgage?
2: Sure. 520-370-9576.
1: And I'm Bob Zachmeyer of eXp Realty. You can reach me at 520-314-SOLD. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a great Sunday.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?